Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, today we have come to the end of a six-month study. Can you believe it? Someone say, sheesh. <laughs> so it's like someone's first time at church. It's like, what are you saying sheesh about? Um, back in January, we started studying the Gospel of Mark. And we've been all over this book, 16 uh, chapters. And today we are finishing, we're in the 12th chapter, uh, but we're finishing six months of study from this one gospel. Uh, Next week we will be somewhere else in the Bible. Still the same truth, still the same word, but hopefully a new portion of scripture. And uh, this last collection, this mini collection, this big collection has been titled On the Money. And we've been examining the greatest commandment, Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way that we've been doing this is by examining case studies. We've been looking, what does it look like to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? These words are, are synonymous many times, many ways they mean the same thing, but they also have distinct qualities to them. We know that none of us measure up to the love of God But those of us that have been captured by his love, how many know we want to live our life attempting and trying to give God every part of who we are? Come on, if he deserves everything, how many know he he should have something? (laughs) And we've been trying to look at what does it look like to love God in this fashion? And so we've been examining four different case studies from the Gospel of Mark. And each one of these case studies, as funny as it is, they've all had this one common denominator, and that is the word money. And so the first week we we looked at Mary and her alabaster box and we talked about loving God with all of your heart. Scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God doesn't need your money, but how many know he wants your heart? And then the second week we talked really about this idea of loving God with our soul and kind of took a different approach to it. We talked from the idea of not forfeiting our soul and don't sell your soul. And we studied Judas Judas, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. There's that idea of money and greed taking root in his life and ruining his future by selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then last Sunday, I just thought it was one of the most brilliant messages. Anyone thankful for Luke Berry who brought the word last week and preached a powerful message about loving God with your mind and talked about the paradigm of this world as he shared on uh, Caesar's tax. And if you haven't heard the message yet, it's all right there uh, on YouTube. I'd encourage you to subscribe and check it out. And today we're gonna talk about loving God with all of our strength. And Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41, just a few verses today, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Verse 43, I like this part. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. Someone say everything. All she had to live on. I want to preach today from the subject, you're stronger than you think. 
I'm gonna need your help today a little bit. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you're stronger than you think. Say, other neighbor, you're stronger than you think. Look behind you, say, behind me. You're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. Have you ever um, surprised yourself with your strength? Has this ever happened to you? Anyone out there ever just, ever just kind of shock yourself? Um, this past Monday, I got invited to do uh, this, this workout um, at this place called CrossFit. <laughs> Have you heard of this place called CrossFit? I feel like CrossFit is a workout for Christians. Are you CrossFit? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's not. We'll cut it for the next service. Um, this workout was titled The Murph, and it happened on Memorial Day Monday, and I got invited. They said, Rich, come do this, this workout. I said, yeah, I'm up for a workout. What's the workout? They said, oh, it's, it's easy. How many know easy uh, is up for interpretation? I said, tell me about it. They said, well, it starts out with a one-mile run. I was like, excuse me? Um, I don't run for fun, right? Like, anyone ever out there, you, you run, you're like, I think I've got asthma. Like, it was a one-mile run followed by 100 pull-ups. Excuse me? Followed by 200 push-ups. Who are you talking to? Followed by 300 air squats, only to be wrapped up and concluded with another one-mile run. I was like, I don't think I can do this. They said, no, I, I think you can do it. C come on and, and, and try it. And so I don't know if you've ever done CrossFit before, but it's a real strong community. It's like, are we having church or are we working out? Okay, like these people are serious. Shirts are off, abs for days. I'm like, you have abs in your back, bro. <laughs> you ever walk into the gym? I think, I'm like, you're done. Why are you still here, you know? <laughs> like, you don't need to still be here. Like, I need to be here. You can go home, like. Take a rest, get a Sabbath. And so um, I, I go in for this thing and uh, I get in, I'm, I'm feeling real nervous. I'm like, I, I can't do, this is gonna be too difficult. This is gonna be too hard. And I started talking to my friend Omar and he said, Rich, the, the way you get this thing done is that you chip away at it. I said, what do you mean chip away? He said, well, you don't do all the sections at one time. Instead, you scale out the sections and you do little by little, you do piece by piece. He said, start out with the run, and then he said, do it in sets. Do 20 sets, do five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. I was like, I know, bro, but like, that's cool like, that you've like, divided it like that, but it's still a whole lot of working out. He said, just trust me, begin, take it one moment by moment, and you watch, you're gonna complete this thing. Man, I started this thing, and like, as I'm going, I got halfway through, and I'm like, I think I can finish this thing. It's like all of a sudden, like a second wind came on me. I was like, I got through the first part. Well, if I can get through the first part, something tells me I can get through the second part. I've got good news to tell you, church. I finished the Murph workout in 45 minutes. Ooh. That's your pastor right there. You ever done a workout that like five days later, you're still feeling it? Like, what was that? I, I think I walked away from the entire experience and I just caught this little revelation that there's always more inside of you than you know. You, you're stronger than you think that you are. 
And the struggle of today is producing the strength I need tomorrow. Every one of us in this room, if we want to grow stronger, we have to get comfortable with exposing our weakness. This is what I want to try to get into our hearts today as we come to an end of six months on this study of the gospel of Mark, because the reality of it is, is the only way that I can get strong is when I get comfortable in confronting my weakness, exposing my weakness, getting vulnerable with my weakness, going into that workout that day, I was embarrassed, I was afraid, I was concerned. I didn't think I could do it, but I actually had to come in and face the weakness inside of me that I might encounter the strength that I have yet to discover. See, strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you thought that you couldn't do. You have to face the areas that are weak. You have to actually confront it. The problem for the body of Christ is not that we're not strong, it's that we are uncomfortable with facing our weaknesses. We wanna do anything other than expose and confront weakness. We wanna hide weaknesses. We wanna cover weaknesses. We wanna come in and play church and put a mask on and say really weird Christian things that nobody else in the world understands. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Bro, you were just arguing with your wife in the minivan. I know, but I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, you're not acting like it. And so we cover these things and we hide these things. We want to deny our weaknesses. Yet listen to me. If we continue to deny our weakness, we will never begin to develop the strength that's on the inside of us. Friends, you're stronger than you think. And the first step is to expose and confront the areas that are weak because when I, conf- when I confront them and when I expose them, that's where strength comes from. Jesus says, I want you to love me with all of your strength. Yeah. Well, Rich, I don't feel very strong. You might not feel strong today, but I believe the word of the Lord is you're stronger than you think you are. Our case study comes from this this woman in Mark chapter 12 who doesn't appear to be very strong, but we discover she does something very strong. Uh, Our text is very, very simple, and my outline is even more simple. I'm gonna give you three points. I'm gonna give you the context, I'm gonna give you the contrast, and then I'm gonna leave you with a challenge today. I'm gonna give you the context, I'm gonna give you the contrast, and then I'm going to challenge you. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Let's examine this first part and get context of what's taking place. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Someone say the opposite. So he's opposite of where the offering box is. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. I want you to notice that, that Jesus, he's standing back and he's doing what we call people watching. Are there any people watchers in the house? How many would say, it's a hobby of mine to watch people? You ever just find yourself at the mall sitting on a bench for an hour just watching the human species? Such a peculiar people. I'm a bit obsessed with this. Literally, on vacation, I can find myself just, I just like watching people. Like, I just, I just like, what's their story? What, what, what's going on over there? Anyone ever eavesdrop? Okay, I'm just confessing stuff today. <laughs> I'm bad at this, bro. I'll be like eavesdropping. I'm like, I'm like pastoring people. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm counseling people who are not asking for advice. I'm like, dude, no, he's lying, sister. He's lying, he's lying. <laughs> people, how many know 
that you behave differently when you know that you're being watched. You ever been like at like a sporting event and some dudes kind of just dancing and then all of a sudden they show up on the jumbotron and as soon as they see themselves on the jumbotron, their entire body, they, now they're like, oh, now they're really dancing. Because the moment I know that I'm being watched, my behavior begins to shift. I think one of the strangest things for me in my life has been sometimes I'll be in different places and somebody will know that I'm there, but instead of coming and saying something to me, uh, they'll put me like on their Instagram story. It's super creepy. Um, the other day I had one of the creepiest things take place. I, uh, I was in the Dallas <laughs> airport and I was using the restroom. And uh, just, you know, just doing what you do and just was going along my merry way. And later that day, I got a direct message from somebody and they said, uh, Pastor Rich, um, I saw you in the uh, DFW airport bathroom and I was too nervous to say hi, but I just want to let you know, man, you've been a real blessing to my life. Okay, PSA, that's so creepy, dude. Um, if you see me somewhere, just come and say hi. Don't tell me later on you saw me in the bathroom. I want you to understand today yeah. that the moment we know that we're being watched, everything about who we are starts to shift. It starts to change. Can I encourage you today that God is always watching? That every part of your life, he sees what you are doing right here in Mark chapter 12. We see Jesus, he's standing back and he's watching people come by and put money into the temple treasury. But 2000 years later, we know that there is a God in heaven who continues to watch every move that we make. He sees us in the daytime and he sees us in the nighttime. He sees us in our labor and he sees us in our leisure. He is watching this past week, I, um, I came around the corner and my son, Wyatt, who's uh, three years of age, uh, his cousin, Ellie, who's right at a year of age, his little, uh, little girl cousin, Ellie, was at the house. And when I walked in, he was, he was giving her a hug and he was saying, Ellie, I love you. And when I saw it, I, know, I, did, I, did, I was like, oh my, my, I have the best son ever. It blessed me to watch Wyatt be a blessing to somebody else. Here's a fun question for you today. Did you bless God with your actions this week? When God was watching you, did your words bless him? When God was watching you, did your behavior bless him? When God was watching you, when you thought nobody else saw, God saw. Did your actions bring blessing to God? I want to be a person that when God watches me, I bring a blessing to him. See, we live in a world that everybody wants blessings from God, but I think it's a mature Christian who shifts the focus and says, I don't just want a blessing from God, but I want to live my life in such a way that everywhere I go, I am a blessing to the one who has blessed me. Watch this. Look at what David says. You can read the Psalms and David, he had this revelation that he wasn't just going to ask God for blessings, but rather he sought to be a blessing. Mark, Psalm chapter 145, watch this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. 
I wonder, can you graduate today? Can you just stop coming to church only to get a blessing? And can you start serving God to say, God, I've already got more than what I came for. And now I want to live my life that I am making much out of your name. I want to be a blessing to God. I want to be a blessing. Why? Because God's watching. And that shouldn't discourage you. That should encourage you. But you and I were so busy trying to get the attention of man that we forget that we have the audience of heaven. That all of heaven is watching. There's some people in this room today that you should find encouragement from Mark chapter 12 because the very fact that God is watching tells me that even when I feel overlooked, I can rest assured that God saw it. Maybe you feel overlooked at your work right now. Maybe you feel like nobody notices the contribution that you're making. Maybe you go through life and you're wondering to yourself, does anybody even care? I feel like giving up. I'm on my last thread. I feel like my contribution. I feel like my participation. I feel like my intentions. I don't feel like any of it measures up. Nobody thanks me. Nobody recognizes me. Oh, I want you to get this in your spirit today. God notices what everyone else misses. Get your eyes off a man and understand that all of heaven is watching you. The context that we have here is a God who watches. God is watching us. So love God with all of your strength. Do what's right even when nobody else notices. Many times when I come home from a trip, I've been gone for a few days. Or when I come home sometimes at night, I didn't get to put my boys to sleep. The first thing I do when I come home is I go right into my boy's bedroom. And even though they're asleep, a good father goes and he gets right up over their crib and he just watches them as they sleep. I just love watching my boys. They're sound asleep. They don't know it, but their dad's eyes are on them. I want to encourage you today. If you feel overlooked, I want to encourage you today. If you feel like nobody notices, you serve a God who is always watching. He watches you even as you sleep. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. Somebody take about five seconds right Right now and thank God that his eye is on you. He sees what everybody else misses. He notices what nobody else celebrates. He's the God who watches. So I, I keep loving and I keep serving and I keep giving because I trust that what everybody else is missing, God notices. God watches. Live your life like it's on display. Because it is. It is. The first step to loving God with all of our strength is understanding the context that he sees what everybody else misses. And because of that, I live my life each day like it's on the jumbotron. All of heaven is watching you. Hebrews says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, men and women who have gone before us. I believe they are cheering us on as we run the race of faith. You're not alone. 
You don't go unnoticed, not overlooked. You might feel alone today, but his spirit is with you and he is watching. We get the context. Jesus is, is watching people come up and put money into the temple treasury. So he's sitting back watching people give their offering. Pick up the text, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. I like verse 43. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. So what's taking place is Jesus is watching and he really watches two different crowds. He watches this group of rich people and then he watches this poor widow come up and they both give their offering. We'll start with the rich people because there is a massive contrast between what God views as strength and what we view as strength. There's a contrast going on and it's called strength versus weakness. The rich people come by and they give these large amounts. They give these big, huge offerings. The rich people in the story, they represent perceived power, perceived strength. Many times, especially even in 2021, we think that strength and power comes from all of the things that we've accumulated on this earth. We think that money and control and status, these are the things that represent strength in God's kingdom. Please understand, everything that you accumulate here on this earth, you can't take it with you. I have never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. It just can't go with you to the next life. In fact, many times we have the wrong language, right? Because we pretend like we are owners of all this stuff. Oh, I made it, came up, that's all me. Stayed true, that's all me, all me for real. No, not for real. Bad theology. Because even if you don't believe in God, you understand that all of the gold you accumulate in this life, once you die, it stays here on the earth. I don't care who you are. There's nobody in this room who's an owner of anything. We are simply managers of everything that God has entrusted to us. I'm not an owner. I'm a manager. But if you're not careful, you will start to believe that what you accumulate, that makes you strong. What you get in life is what makes you strong. But Jesus is gonna show us it's not what you have that makes you strong, it's what you give that makes you strong. I hope today that on this one day out of the week that you are getting outside of the world and you're stepping into the kingdom of God, his church, his ecclesia, the gathering of the saints, I hope you leave here with a better mindset that your education, your status, your money, your job, your followers, your popularity, these are a poor thing. This is a weak thing to build a life upon. These things will not stand in the test of time. If we're not careful, we'll be strong in all the wrong areas. I don't want to be strong in all the wrong areas. It's like the guy who goes into the gym. It's like, it's leg day. I don't do legs. <laughs> Chest and buys. It's <laughs> a whole lot of people in the body of Christ. It's leg day. No, 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 no. I don't do legs. I, I do chest and buys. No, no, no. You're getting strong in all the wrong areas. Because all it takes 
is one storm, all it takes is one crisis, all it takes is one challenge to come and rip apart this fabricated life that you have put together. I mean, so many stories of people of power that overnight they lose all of it. But rather than show you a sinner, why don't we look at a godly man? His name is Job. And he feared the Lord and he trusted the Lord. But overnight, his business was ripped from him. His children were killed. His body began to encounter disease. Yet there was a resolve inside of Job that he said, all of this stuff, this is not what makes me strong. All of this stuff is not an indication of the power that God has put on the inside of me. Therefore, I will declare naked I came into this world and naked I will leave, but I will still bless the Lord. Is there anybody out there who would say, my possessions and my stuff is not what's making me strong? Don't let your feelings talk you out of faithfulness. Don't let it happen. Because we have this perceived power from these rich people, but then comes along this widow. And this widow, she represents a picture of weakness. She appears to be completely weak. I mean, let's just go through it. She's a woman. I don't think women are weak, but in that time period, the culture believed that if you are a woman, you are a second-class citizen. The best thing you had going for yourself 2,000 years ago in a Middle Eastern culture, if you were a woman, is who you are married to. But this woman, as we discover in the text, she's a widow. Means that she lost her husband. Losing your husband doesn't just mean that he died and now you're alone. It was much deeper than that. It was the destruction. It was the demolition of your status, of your identity. But she's not just a woman and she's not just a widow. She's poor meaning she doesn't have very much to live on. Earlier in Mark chapter 12, Jesus, right before he watches this widow give, he, he comes against and he condemns the scribes of that day that were taking advantage of the vulnerable in that community. And he particularly talks about widows. James says the only pure religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. It has always been the heart of God. It has always been the heart of God. He has always gravitated towards the vulnerable, the most vulnerable, the weakest among us. But this poor widow, she comes in and she comes and she, she gives her last two copper coins. The text says they're only worth a penny. That's what she gives. I mean, she lays everything she has and she puts it in the temple treasury. But just for a moment, try to get her mindset. Something tells me she didn't feel very strong that day. Something tells me she didn't think she was doing anything great that day. She didn't think she was doing anything that would be talked about that day. It didn't feel like she was doing something very epic or something very beautiful. It seemed really small, really insignificant. Yet the scripture says that Jesus, when he sees her, does it do it because he's always watching. Nobody else notices her. Nobody else gives her attention. But this woman, she walks in. Just imagine like the money going into the box, those large amounts. Everyone can hear the coins hitting the box. Oh, that guy gave a lot. Oh, that person gave a whole lot. Then she comes in and it's just two little coins that drop. She was probably embarrassed, exposing her vulnerability, showcasing her weakness in front of such a large crowd. But it was this showcasing of weakness. It was this exposure of her vulnerability that Jesus gathered his disciples. You know, the world gathers around all sorts of things. 
The world gathers around popularity. The world gathers around entertainment. The world gathers around things that appear to be strong. No, Jesus, he gathers around things that appear to be weak, but are actually quite powerful. And he says, this woman, she gave more than what all of these rich people did. He starts bragging about her. Now, by the way, if this was just one time in scripture, I wouldn't highlight it, but it's not. Do you ever notice that when Jesus gossips, he gossips good? And he gossips behind people's back. John the Baptist in prison, Luke chapter seven, he's awaiting his death. And he's so afraid, he's so concerned that he gets his disciples and he sends his disciples to Jesus and to say, Jesus, are you the one we've been waiting for or should we expect somebody else? See, it is okay to ask God a question. It's not okay to question God. Asking a question is I'm seeking understanding. Questioning God is demanding something from him. When I ask God a question, I'm exposing my weakness. I'm exposing my fear. I'm exposing my pain. I'm saying, God, I need you to show up. John the Baptist in prison, it doesn't appear like he's being faithful. It doesn't appear like he's strong. It appears like he's afraid and like he's weak and like he's discouraged. But Jesus sends back the word. He says, tell John, the lame walk, the deaf hear, blinded eyes are open and blessed is John if he does not fall away on account of me now. There's a greater blessing coming. There's a greater reward coming. And then once John's disciples had gone, Jesus looked at the crowd gathered around him and said, there is no one who has ever been born of a woman who is greater than John. John never heard Jesus said it. John never heard Jesus say these words. Some of you right now, you're in the fight of your life. You have never felt more weak. You have never felt more discouraged. What if I told you today that while you're in this state of doubting yourself, there is a God who is behind your back, who is bragging on you, who's saying good things about you, who's declaring you're stronger than you think. You're still standing. You're still here. You're still showing up. You have not given up yet. You have not fallen away. You're still in his presence, hands lifted. He gathers and says, this woman, she doesn't hear it. She doesn't know anyone notices. She doesn't think anybody recognizes it. Everybody there missed it, but Jesus, the only one that matters, he sees it and he says, this woman has done more than what all of these others have done. Why? Because it's not about the amount that you give, but rather it's about giving with honesty. See, God says, I want you to love me from your pain. I want you to love me from your weakness. I want you to love me from your fears. I want you to get vulnerable and expose your weakness. This is what the apostle Paul learned. He had been serving and he had been doing incredible things and his resume, whew, none of us could match the resume of the apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was a powerful writer. He saw signs and wonders take place. He had an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter nine that left him different and changed. The whole world is still talking about the writings of Paul. The Bible today is comprised of most of his writings. He did amazing things. But at some point he came to the realization that if I want people to see Jesus on the inside of me, it will not come from me bragging about my strength 
It will not come from me putting my power in front of them, me showing them my gifts. Instead, if you really wanna see the strength on the inside of me, what you must realize is that it's not my strength, it's his strength. Therefore, I will brag all about my weaknesses and I'll expose them so that he might get glory. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. To keep me from becoming, someone say becoming. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Paul said, I get such great revelation, such great vision from God. But in order for me not to be prideful or arrogant, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times, someone say three times. I don't think there's anywhere else in scripture where Paul says he prayed for something three times. Usually when he prayed, things change. But in this case, he prays three times. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Watch this, for when I am weak, I am strong. Listen to me. If you give God your weakness, he will give you his strength. How do we love God with all of our strength? It starts with my whole life is on display. I'm not living for man's approval. If I keep living for man's approval, I'm gonna die by their rejection. I got all of heaven watching. My life is on display. And so I step into the light and I expose the areas that I am weak because if I keep denying my weakness, I'll never develop my strength. God says, I'm gonna give you my strength. You're stronger than you think that you are. Mark chapter 12, verse 44, it says, Jesus says, he's speaking to me, he says, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. Someone say everything. All she had to live on. We're noticing something about Jesus we're discovering the way that he interprets strength. See, strength is not defined by the sum. Strength is defined by the sacrifice. It has never been about the portion in which you give. It's always been about the proportion in which you give. He deserves everything. Does he have something? Because these men they're giving to God these large amounts, but it costs them nothing. I remember when I was a little kid in grade school, at our school they would have during um, the Christmas season, they would have a Christmas store that we could go and we could buy our parents a gift. It's only now as I get a little bit older that I see the irony or the what's so funny about it. Cause I would go in, I would shop and I would pick out some type of gift for my mom and dad. I'd get it all wrapped up and then I would present it under the tree as if I was giving them something. But as I got older, I discovered uh, it cost me nothing. In fact, my mom and dad actually bought the gift that I gave them. God doesn't need anything from us. God doesn't need large amounts. God doesn't need your money. That is not what the point is. The point is, is that God is looking for people to love them, love him with all of their strength. And it just so happens that your strength is not proved 
at the pinnacle of life. Strength is proved at the bottom of life. Your strength is not proved when you're walking in power. Your strength is proved when you're walking in the valley of weakness. We don't, we don't discover our strength in the good times. Friends, we, we find out how strong we are in the bad times. Anybody can worship and love God in a revival. Can you worship and love God in a drought? Anybody can worship and love God when the church is full and it's full of harvest. I'm wondering, can you worship and love God even in famine? Oh, it's good to sing God's praises in seasons of prosperity, but it is this poor widow who worships God from her poverty that she actually says, no, I'm stronger than you think I am. It appears like I'm weak, but because of my sacrifice, I am strong. Anyone can be strong because anyone can sacrifice. Anyone can be strong because anyone can sacrifice. And if I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm telling you what, it comes at a cost and the cost is sacrifice. These rich people, they all gave what they, what they would never miss. But this woman, she gave what she could never afford. That workout I did on Monday, it's called the Murph. And the reason why it's, it's called the Murph is because it's named after Lieutenant Michael Murphy. Lieutenant Michael Murphy was uh, a Navy SEAL who gave his life in Afghanistan where he and just a few other soldiers defended and fought for days against hundreds and hundreds of Taliban leaders. And he lost his life on the battlefield. And the reason why he's remembered today, the reason why his name lives on, the reason why his story lives on is not because he just gave something small, but instead he chose to give everything that he had, which was his very life. And so every Memorial Day, there's a workout in the CrossFit community. It's called the Murph. And the idea is I wanna suffer a little bit that I might be remember the sacrifice of those that have gone before me that I might walk into freedom. Today, I don't think that the call is go home and clear out your bank account and give it all away. I don't think the call is today, move to third world country and be a sacrifice for Jesus. No, I think the call is that we would remember what Jesus did for us, that Jesus laid down his life. He gave everything. He laid his life down. He gave everything so that we could follow him. And as I worship and as I pray and as I lift up his name, I'm reminded that even in my perceived weakness, I'm stronger than I think that I am. Yeah. Notice what it says. And I, just, I gotta close with this. It says, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, this woman, out of her poverty, put in everything. Someone say, put in everything. All she had to live on. All she had to live on. Anything that she had to live on, she gave it. But I read it a little bit different. She put in everything, all she had to live on. All she had to live on. If you want to live on, if you want your story to be told, 
long after you're gone, if you want to live for more than a dynasty and you actually want to be a part of the legacy of Jesus Christ, if you want to reflect his nature, if you want to show the world that you're strong like Christ, the way that you live on is when you put in everything that you have. God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my soul. God, I give you my mind. And God, I give you my strength. I do so because God, I want to be like you. I want to reflect what you did. God, today, I feel weak, but it will not stop my faithfulness. I am stronger than I think I am. You are stronger than you think you are. You are stronger than you think you are. Come on. You are stronger than you think you are. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Vu and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.